Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Listen, Melanie Cole's Health Radio is on now. We're hearing word that the notorious club drug MDMA, also known as ecstasy or molly, is now likely to be legalized thanks to the new study that's based on the use of the drug to treat patients with PTSD. But like other types of drugs in this category, it can be also very dangerous if taken not as prescribed. And my guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Drew. She's board-certified family physician who specializes in addiction medicine. Now, we hear about molly, Dr. Drew, and... This is something that's used as a club drug to drop in girls' drinks and things. And, you know, they're calling it all kinds of things. So what do, we, what do you want people to know about this? Well, it sounds like, I mean, the studies look pretty good in a very controlled environment for treating the PTSD. But you're right. Anytime you get um, something out on the street that is not going to be controlled and is going to be taken in an environment that could lead to a dangerous situation, you know, we have to be concerned. And the problem with Molly is that it acts a little bit like a hallucinogen and a little bit like a stimulant. So it gives people a lot of energy. And the hallucinogen part of it actually creates in people a feeling of this intense connection to others that they're around. So even people that are total strangers, they may feel like there's a love connection with that person, that this person knows them really well and is going to be kind to them. And so unfortunately, you put young people in a situation like that in a big crowd and they're going to think that there might be some healthy, you know, relationships or, or people that they want to get involved with. And these are people that they don't know anything about. So, so the fear is, of course, they're going to put themselves in dangerous situations and, and be at risk for um, being taken advantage of um, sexual abuse or, or trauma. And I think the way it's promoted in popular culture makes it look like it's just a really good time. Well, I think so, too. And you hear about kids in ecstasy. And so so it's working on the brain, dopamine, the norepinephrine, or serotonin levels. I mean, it's a pretty serious drug. Now, do you see that uh, those studies for PTSD, that this is really can be helpful? What do you see happening on the kid and drug, you know, kid and drug front with this? Is it going to change that? Well, my hope would be that if they are going to actually legalize it, and what that would mean is they would take it from a Schedule 1, which means it has really no therapeutic value and can't be prescribed, and then they they would hopefully reclassify it not any um, higher than a a Schedule 2, which would mean very limited access. And my hope with that would even be that it would only be available in licensed facilities, that it could only be distributed there, that it would never be a medication that you could actually go to the pharmacy and pick up and then take at your leisure at home. So I think even the study proponents are really looking at this in a very limited fashion, almost like, I mean, people don't realize, but cocaine is actually a Schedule two, but cocaine only has a very limited um, use, which is in ENT surgery. So those are the only people that can get it. So my expectation is not going to be that people are going to get 30 tabs of, of Molly to have in their um, pharmacy, you know, in their prescription cabinet at home, and then they could use it. I do not believe that that's ever the intent. So if they were able to really regulate it and say, licensed facility, trained psychiatrists, trained psychotherapists, we may be able to prevent its diversion out into the street. Is, is um, Molly addictive? And if it is, what does that mean for people that are using it? I mean, if someone's going through PTSD treatment and then they take, I mean, Oxycontin is addictive and, and Vicodin could be addictive. Any of the narcotics can. So what about Molly? It doesn't look like from the studies. It actually looks really impressive. 
So it looks like what they have set up is a very controlled environment. You have the patient there. You uh, basically are observing them during the entire duration of the effect of the drug. And because it also creates this very intense feeling of connection with the people you're around, the therapist is able to build that connection with the person that's struggling with PTSD. And then it looks like what they try to do is actually take them through the traumatic events and be able to experience very positive feelings. So almost be able to rewrite their you know, um, experience of this traumatic event. And it does not look like from the people that have undergone this that they have any desire to continue taking Molly after that, that the couple rounds of treatment have really been successful at um, treating their PTSD, and they're not looking to go re-experience this feeling that they've had with, um, with the MDMA. So just speaking for a second about addiction and as a, as a specialist in addiction, if a parent is looking for signs of drug use and possible addiction in their children, what should they look for? I think the first things you need to look for is really a change in their activity and their behavior and the people that they're spending time with. So if this was somebody who was really into sports and now says, oh, I'm just not into that, and, and they're hanging out with kids that you don't know, I think those are the first red flags because the things that they used to take interest in and the things that used to give them pleasure now suddenly aren't. And everybody needs to have those things that make them happy. So you need to figure out what is it now that they're looking for. So I think those are the first things to see, even before you might see any physical signs. So you look for that. And then physically, it really is going to depend on what is their drug of choice. And what tends to happen, especially with addiction to opiates, so if you're talking about somebody who's become addicted to oxy or has even progressed to be addicted to heroin, sometimes when their behavior appears to be sort of their normal, that's actually when they're under the influence. Because if they really are struggling with addiction, their worst behavior and most abnormal behavior is when they're experiencing withdrawal. So when they don't have their drug of choice, is when they're going to be irritable and feeling sick and can't participate in anything, you know, not want to do any of the family events. But then when they get their hands on the drug that they need, then suddenly they're, they're part of the group and they're gregarious and they're, you know, helping around the house and they seem great. But that's only because, unfortunately, their new normal has become that normal that's under the influence of opiates. Yeah, that's and it's a really scary thing for parents. So yes. what do you tell them about getting their children into treatment? I mean, it's one thing if it's a spouse or a loved one. When it's your child, it somehow feels just a little bit, you know, like it's like a knife in your chest. And as a mother, it's just so scary. We hear about the heroin epidemics and all of these things. What do you tell parents about getting help for their children and the hope that they might have? Well, I think there is absolutely a lot of hope. There's there's a lot of medication available now that is very safe and, and very effective at treating opiate addiction. But the number one thing is that the, the, the person who's addicted has to actually recognize that it is a problem. And that's really tough with young people. So I'll have a lot of times families will come in together. So a mother and her son or a father and daughter. And the child will say, no, this isn't a problem. I don't understand why you're overreacting. And what I'll usually say is, you know, your parent is so terrified of watching you die or finding you dead, and you need to get help now. Sometimes, unfortunately, parents really have to exert their power in this situation and say, if you're not going to get help, you're not going to be able to come back to our home because I cannot get up in the morning and find you dead in your bed. And, and it's been a tough situation, and I've actually had 
um, parents walk out of the office and leave their, um, and, and these are not necessarily children under the age 18, but the young adults leave them in the office and say, I'm not taking you home with me unless you're going to agree to get treatment. And, and sometimes that does work because sometimes they recognize that, you know, the, the kids recognize they have no other place to go. They, they wow. don't have anywhere to live. Um, it's going to be a struggle. And so sometimes they'll agree, but sometimes there really is a lot of pressure that parents have to put on them. Oh, I can't even imagine how scary that is for, for parents and for anyone with a loved one with an addiction. But thank you so much, Dr. Drew, for such great information on Molly and addiction. Where can people find out more about you? Absolutely. Summit Behavioral Health um, is our website, and you can go on there. And again, we have um, out, uh, outpatient programs with um, intensive counseling, and we have inpatient detox programs, and we are in Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Thank you so much. That's summitbehavioralhealth.com, and you can see more about her there. And if you have somebody in your life that has an addiction, it can be very hard. But if you help them, get them help. If they admit they have a problem, maybe all can be well. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening, and stay well. Stay well.